I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Not bad, huh? Not bad. Digging this song. <laughs> I love it. I am a fan of this band. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it. Welcome back, Geoholics. I never thought I would say this. Episode really? 200. We are here. Episode 200. Unfreaking believable. I can honestly say it's an honor to be here. And I am honored to be here as well with yeah. this group. And uh, I mean, if I allowed myself, I could probably get a little emotional right now. Uh, you know, I could if shed you a tear. did, if I could you shed did. a tear. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to keep my emotions in check tonight. Okay. Um, but man, oh man, episode 200. All I can say is thank you, thank you to our listeners, thank you to our friends of the program, thank you to you, Sean, thank you to Pina, who happens to be joining us this evening, and everybody else that has played a part in the show. That's right. Yes, uh, we. We couldn't be here with everyone that will. Uh, we are live streaming this one just for the heck of it because it's episode 200. We couldn't yep. be here with all of those people, all the people that listen, and yep. especially you, Ken. Oh, well, thank you. I that know. was awfully nice of you to say. You do have a heart. Somewhere deep down in this black <laughs> it's like, void. It's like that big. It's, but it's, 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 it, it exists way down in there. Way down in there. But man, oh man, to say it's been a journey would be an understatement. Uh, we have been mm -hmm. so blessed to talk to so many incredible individuals. Um, and just, man, oh man, the impact this has had on me personally and professionally is nothing I could ever imagine in my freaking life, you know, let alone the fact that I, who, I, five years ago, I did not know that podcasting was my passion. But here we are. I, I, I'm, I am aware that it is, you did not know that it was your passion. Yes. And uh, I am aware that it is now. And I am aware that when you became the, <laughs> the co-host slash producer, I don't think you knew that it was I, your passion. I had no idea that I would enjoy it as much as I do. <laughs> but it's absolutely addicting, right? It, it really is. I didn't believe you when you first told me that. And uh, now I do. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to a couple other special things in my, uh, in my segment coming up here. Oh, you have a segment? I do. Is this something you're just coming up with right now? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, are you ready I'm, for your segment or do you want to move on over. to? Yeah, we're, we're taking, taking over. over. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Peta, thank you for being here as well. We're going to get to our guest here in just a few minutes. But, Peta, you have played such a big part in getting this podcast to where it is now. People mm -hmm. don't realize how much work that you do for the show. And, um, yeah, we're just, you know, there's so many people to thank. I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. Everybody. Just everybody. Just Super everybody. excited everybody. That that we've hit the 200 it's awesome yeah yep. very very exciting for sure uh no small feet no doubt no small feet <laughs> no small feet uh so <laughs> other than the all of the reminiscing things yeah. that we want to do we do have show to do mm -hmm. uh what else is new in your world ken uh what else is new in my world it's been two weeks since we are no one one week we, we did it we did a show last week right <laughs> We did do a show last week. Uh, we did indeed. What happened since last week? Uh, curling season has restarted. Oh, nice. So I'm Here we go. Excited. <laughs> yep. One of the reasons we had to do this show at the time we're doing it is so I can get to curling afterwards. Ah, okay. All right. 
Fair enough. You know, it's a commitment that I just, I've got to stick to. Okay. Yeah. I, I, the team there's... relies on me, believe it or not. I don't believe you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days English? I will be proven wrong. Yeah. I will have to go and sit, check it out. So. Good answer. Good answer. But uh, other than that, not a whole lot new. Just man, oh man, lots, a lot of moving parts right now. Oh yeah. Whether it be yeah. work or podcast or whatever there's just so much happening it's ridiculous it's a great time to be alive isn't it is it too early to start promoting that we're going to be at geo week uh no no i no, think it's, it's right at right right the right the sweet spot the sweet spot mm -hmm. all right so geo week coming up um i think it's like the 11th through the 13th or it something is like the that. it is super bowl monday Super Bowl Monday. Yeah. That's what we call it. Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Monday. Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, the, it's kind of the like, unofficial American holiday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Day after the Super Bowl where, but, where everyone has had a few and is a little, 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 little lookish. Yeah. And not that people remember it when they listen to this, but we are in booth 225. Oh, okay. 225. Uh, I definitely will remember that. <laughs> It's reading sure. behind us, yeah. So Geo Week is one of the best events of the year as far as it geospatial is. stuff goes. And um, I can't wait to go back to Denver, to be honest with you. I oh, love yeah. Denver. Yeah. Last it, time we got snowed, remember? Yeah, yeah. I, I made it out. You didn't. My flight got canceled. Yeah, it was It was. That was actually a, one of the best conference weeks that I've had. Yeah. Like, it was a lot of fun. It was amazing, uh, for sure. Shush, Tons of good connections. Shush. We need to get Pete out next year. I know, I know. Uh, but I we know, did, we did have a week with PETA, so I can't say that it was better No, than no, that, no. But, I want to yeah. go to Geo Week, too, but it's just it didn't work out this year like I was hoping it would. So. Well, next you have year. other responsibilities besides the geoholics. We know how that goes. We do. It's <laughs> a long way away. Uh, you know what? It's a mindset. If you think it's close, it appears to be closer. you got to no, manifest I mean, it. To travel, to travel. I can't just jump uh, yeah, on a plane. Yeah. It's not just, you know, two hours away. Well, unfortunately right. not. It's a day. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Travel. Yes. Yeah. For her. Pretty much. Yes. Two hours for us. <laughs> let's move it along. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's get on with this. Tell, tell us about that opening number, Sean. Tell us about the opening number, Sean. <laughs> that was uh, Switchfoot, a song called Meant to Live. Uh, Switchfoot, American rock band formed in, guess what? San Diego, California. San Diego. San Diego. They were formed in 90, 1996. The band's lineup consists of lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist John Foreman, lead guitarist Jerome. Oh, mm, go up. for it. <laughs> Fantamias. Uh, bassist Tim Foreman, drummer Chad Butler, and keyboardist and guitarist Drew Shirley. Uh, Switzfoot's music often combines catchy hooks with introspective, spiritually influenced lyrics appealing to a broad audience. In addition to their musical pursuits, members of Switchfoot have been involved in various philanthropic efforts, and the band as a whole has expressed a commitment to making a positive impact through their music and out outreach initiatives. And Did you pull that uh, well, bio as the most uh, hard to read, <laughs> or is that just a message mm, with me? You can blame ChatGPT for that. Uh, that was a usual. mouthful, Shawnee. That, that was a lot of, of multisyllabic Words. You nailed it, man. <laughs> yeah. You nailed it as usual. Glad it wasn't me. <laughs> right. Um, we are in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio this that evening. We are uh, back for what I don't know, fourth or fifth year, being a friend of the program. Mm -hmm. Of course, yes. Trent Keenan has been a fan and a supporter of the show from day one, essentially. Literally day one. Yes. Yeah, we can't thank Trent enough for his support. And of course, if you don't know anything about Diamondback Land Surveying, simply go to diamondbacklandsurveying.com. Um, Trent's working everywhere, essentially, at this point. It seems like west of the Mississippi. Oh, yeah. yeah He's yeah. all over the place. 
Um, Brandon, what, what, what's his brand uh, ambassador for uh, Geek Kids in a Survey? Geek Kids in a Survey West Coast. He's just, actually the franchisee, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you know that. Yeah, yep, yep, franchisee of that. Just saw that uh, Mentoring Mondays is back. Mm, Mentoring so, Mondays started yeah. up, I think, today. As today. a matter of fact, obviously, early, when today. you listen to yeah. this, it'll be outdated. But uh, <laughs> point being, check out Mentoring Mondays. Absolutely. And uh, Wisdom Wednesdays. He's got mm-hmm. that thing going on as well. So Trent's, hey, he's the king of ambassadors for the survey profession. No doubt about Round it. Roundtable no Tuesday. Doubt. What was it? Roundtable Round Tuesday? Roundtable Tuesday. Yep. That's another one. Yep. Another one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very so, cool. I don't know. So, Peter, I feel like we left you out. What's new with you? No. Oh. Oh, um, holidays, come back from holidays. So I'm just smashed with work. Um, thinking about planning my little trips that I can go away and come over and see you guys as well. So I don't know. You kind of caught me off guard. I'm not really. I know it was, it was a surprise invitation. I love it. (laughs) But we're just glad you're here regardless. Oh, thanks for having me. Just for a little bit. And let's talk about the number of holidays that they have in Australia. Oh, I don't think they. I don't think they ever work you. over there. I, the more I hear about it, <laughs> we have a good system. We work for a year. We get four weeks holidays. We have yes. public holidays. I think I don't know. I worked out we have similar public holidays to you guys. <sighs> Doesn't seem like it. That's all yeah. I can say. You're yeah. just jealous. It's like every month. I'm on holiday. I'm yeah. on holiday. I'm on holiday again. <laughs> like, what? Don't you people freaking work? Let's move to Australia. Like, very hard. Yes, come come move over here. It's so much nicer <laughs> than there. Uh, debatable. All right, next up. You don't even know. I know. (laughs) Yet. Yet. We will be visiting at some point. Uh, Airworks, are you doing a quote? Are you doing trivia? What are you doing Uh, today? I'm going to do trivia. Okay. And it's going to be some uh, trivia that is very, very related. Uh, A little bit of podcast trivia, uh, being that this is our 200th episode. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of quick nuggets. Uh, Currently, 2 million people actively listen to podcasts two million americans that is it's impressive 55 percent of those people or 55 percent of americans listen to podcasts to learn new things 41 percent of americans listen to podcasts monthly mm-hmm. and the average podcast listener listens nine times a week i like that uh here's a couple that uh, right close to home the very first geoholics episode was august 24th 2019 okay the does anyone know who the first guest of the geoholics podcast was i know you do the first guest the as first in episode guest. one not episode zero uh, not episode zero episode zero did not have a guest episode abraham one. lincoln abraham lincoln That's right i listened to this episode today did you <laughs> it was difficult to get through it was amazing is what you're trying to say <laughs> I think I said, what the fuck am I listening to several times? I, I'm very curious who was Abraham Lincoln. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was Abraham Lincoln. Like, you don't believe that I uh, raised him from the dead? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking the, the show went went because uh, the, the second and then our, our th- the third guest was. Third guest? Third guest Ooh. was Dr. Nick. Okay. Yes. Also a co-host of the show. All right. So we roped him in early. Guest, the fourth guest was Mark Taylor. Was it really? Also oh, a co-host of the show. Like a drug. Once it gets in your system, you, you get in the system. Got to have more. And uh, our uh, guest on episode one hundred was me. 
Miss Peter Cox. Ah, that was the first time she was on the show. Yes. Yep. yes. Episode one hundred. Okay. Uh, and the first uh, episode on YouTube was episode forty-seven. Okay. And because it's episode two hundred, yeah. uh, Pete and I have a couple couple of gifts for you. Okay. I'm gonna have to go through. Uh oh. Am I gonna cry? Uh, you might. Uh, in the world, what have you done? Something to hang up on the wall. That uh, oh my god! All of dude, the, all of the studio locations. It's awesome. Four years of this. Oh I've my been, god! Technically, this is the fifth year, but it is four strong years of podcasts. Yeah, over two hundred episodes. With over all the locations, ap- over three hundred hours. Yeah, wow. And one hundred fifty-two thousand downloads and count. Yes, dude, that is freaking amazing. Thank you so much. That is so cool. Is that all the places we recorded at? That's the three studios that uh, we've been. The two studios. Yeah. Aw, hmm. guys, that is amazing. I might tear up. <laughs> and because, you, because you're wait. a baseball fan, we got you a baseball yeah. jersey oh, for the Geoholics. God, so cool. With a little... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I am tearing up. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. That is awesome. There's gifts coming your way as well. (laughs) (laughs) There's gifts coming your way too, Peter. You just have to be patient. Um, But you know how bad I am at mailing. But, 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 you know, from, from all of us, producer, co-hosts, you know, guests, all of our listeners, we couldn't be here without you. And we appreciate everything. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Virtual hug to you as well, Peter. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. So oh. now that I've any other surprises, like Abe Lincoln derailed the show. Is Abe Lincoln gonna lock I'm, the, I'm not gonna, the, bring, not gonna the door here? Abe Lincoln from the dead. Uh, but we can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thank you guys. That is very meaningful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, on the wall. It's gonna be on the studio. I am gonna put that jersey on. Idea. I'm gonna put that jersey on. I'm never taking it. I I don't doubt it ever again. Mm. So I'm gonna wear it for the rest of my podcast years <laughs> okay <laughs> that's a worry <laughs> all right let's move on man oh man we've been this this is great this is good stuff right our guests are probably like, come on already let's Seriously. get this shit going yes. all right <laughs> one more final plug i promise you right we have the geosearch job of the week Geosearch, of, the week. of course is a uh a not a new they were they were a friend of the program last year but they've upped their game a little bit this year we're excited to have them back this this week um, they are looking for the perfect go-getter in Atlanta, Georgia. Ooh, I like Atlanta. Kind of like in your neck of the woods over there, right? Yeah. Um, so here we go. GeoSearch's client is on the lookout for a high-energy project surveyor to join their growing office in Atlanta, Georgia. Primarily office-based with occasional field work. And uh, for the right candidate, they're open to hybrid work as well. Interesting. A lot of people want the hybrid work. Thing. Ah, yeah. Was that like two to three days? Is that could be? I'm not going to speak for the client, but yeah, something like that. I'm like sure it, I'm is sure. what it is. Yeah. They are looking for a PLS with a minimum of five years experience with Trimble GPS and total station experience. Okay. Um, if you're interested in moving to Florida, or if you live in Florida, um, out-of-state candidates don't hesitate to apply for this position. Uh, apply now to join this dynamic team. Relocation is on the tape. Relocation assistant is on the table as well. If this sounds interesting to you, um, head to their website, geosearch.com, and apply for the project surveyor position in Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. 
Interesting, huh? Very interesting. Those those folks at GeoSearch, they got opportunities all over, all over. You should definitely check them out if you're looking for a new opportunity. Um, Let's get our guests in here. What do you think? I mean, they have been waiting patiently long enough. And we can't thank them enough. And and really, we can't. I mean, we had a little bit of housekeeping to do, being being number 200 and all, but we are very honored to have uh, these guys on for episode 200. It's going to be awesome. We are indeed. And of course, our guests this week are sponsored by Geomax Positioning. Oh, Again, yes. new friend of the program for new 2024. Program. Excited to have them on board. Um, so here we go. I'm going to let them do self-introductions. One of them in particular is a, uh, he's a veteran of the show, yes. as one might say. We have Ben Shinneberry, Tim Bruyette, and John Dahlman. So real quick, if you guys would do us the honor, quick self-introductions. Ben, I'm going to let you go first. Just name who you're with and how you're associated with uh, EMI. Sure. Thanks for uh, having us on. I really am just can't say thanks enough for the exposure that you all bring to the land survey community. I am Ben Shinneberry. I'm the land surveyor in the room uh, from this EMI team this evening. I've been a land surveyor for uh, 17 years in Kentucky, uh, USA, and I came across this organization, EMI, a few years back and have been on a few teams uh, surveying around the world. And tonight we'll talk about our uh, Zambia trip. So thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Uh, ben was on episode 58. Early yeah, adopter. 58. Yeah, 58 and 88. Yeah. For that matter. Third time's a charm, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Yeah. He's a vet. Yeah. He's pretty much Jeez, a legend. I was late to the party, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. mm. Leave Same the old best story. till last. Hey. Leave the best me, till me, last. That's all uh, I Me too. Say. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys are here. That's all that matters. All right, Tim, I'm going to let you go next. Yeah. Um, I am Tim Bouillette. I am a software architect for um, Lockheed Martin. Um, I've currently been out of school, I guess, for about six years in the software field um, and um, heard about EMI about five years ago or something like that um, and been involved in small ways here and there and then finally got to go on my first trip um, last summer here to Zambia with the other guys here. So it's a good time. So awesome. I'm so jealous about this stuff. Um, so let's first clarify. EMI stands for Engineering Ministries International. And next up, I'm going to have John do a self-introduction. Sure. My name is uh, John Dahlman. Happy to be with you guys. I'm a civil engineer, water resource engineer by background, and currently serve as the CEO and president of EMI, and located here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Not a bad place to be located as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll see you at uh, at Geo Week in Denver, huh? Quite possibly. You never know. Uh, Ben, are you coming out this year? You know, Trent asked me if I was, and then a couple other people, and I haven't bought the ticket yet, but uh, more and more, my network is going to be there, so I may. You may see me at booth 225. Ah, <laughs> I love it. Way to go. All right, real quick. So we like to do icebreakers with our guests, and I, I love this question. This is like, I think, the second or third week in a row we've used it just because I like it so much. It's so thought-provoking. So this is the Trimble Pro Point icebreaker, and Ben, I'm going to let you go first on this. If you could swap lives with someone for a day, who would it be, and what would you hope to learn or experience? 
Uh, politics aside, I would swap with the president just to see all of the like behind the scenes that yeah. goes on and sit through the, uh, you know, briefings and meetings and yeah. have lunch in the Oval Office and all that. I, I'd switch mm -hmm. with the president. Yep. And you know, it's so funny, Ben, that was my response as well. The president, I yeah. mean, I said, I said Trump, but politics aside, that was yeah. my response. So, uh, Tim, are you still with us? I am. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, you cut out there for a second. Well, how about you? What do you, what do you got for that? You know, um, it's a hard question. Depends on what perspective you're going from. I would say the most interesting to me would be to swap spaces with somebody who had absolutely nothing, but was still incredibly happy. And just to see that experience of what makes them happy and what oh, it is that I, drives their life, I think would be super incredible. I, I, this is going <laughs> to amazing answer. It's going to sound really, really <laughs> terrible and, uh, or not terrible, but coincidental, but, uh, I kind of had a similar answer to Tim, yeah. uh, but I'll get to it in a second. That is a great answer. I love it. Yeah. yeah. All right, John, last but not least. Wow. That's a really hard question. Um, the, the thing that kind of popped into my mind might not be the, the, the grandest thing, but I've got EMI has got like offices in 12 different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And I would love to just like switch places with one of my directors at one of those offices just to really understand what sure. life is like for them and what things they're facing and the realities, because oftentimes yeah. as leaders, you feel like you're out of touch. I mean, I can talk with them, but I'd love yeah. to just be in their shoes for a day. I think that would be That's awesome. a great answer as well. No great yeah. answer. PETA, have we ever asked you that question? No, I, uh, I'm not sure if you have or not. I think at the moment I would like to go back to Egypt, to Queen Nefertiti. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. You know, it's so funny. I hear a funny story real quick. I was uh, at a local establishment the other night. And of course, we started talking about the podcast because I talk about the podcast with every freaking person I meet. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, I did. <laughs> and uh, we got to, we, I, he's like, well, what kind of questions do you ask when you're, when you're interviewing people? You know, I'm like, well, we got these really cool icebreaker questions. He goes, what's a really good one? And I asked him this question. You know what his response was? What? Jesus. Yeah. Of course. It was Jesus. Yes. He's like, I would like to be Jesus for a day. That's a pretty good answer. Sure. Yeah. Right. What's your answer? But I think you've answered this. Are you going to change your answer from? Uh, well, no. I got to admit, like Tim kind of stole my thunder a little bit because yeah. I just spent a week in in Ocean Ocean Beach, San Diego, and you know, there's there's a lot of different people out there of all walks of life, and there's some people that I know don't don't have a home and yep. don't really care mm -hmm. and don't really need to care, and yep. I, I and I, you know, interact with some, some of these folks mm -hmm. and sure. And it's, I really just want to, you know, go a day and just see what that's like, because mm -hmm. I would be so much more crankier. If was Is that possible? I, I know exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I, I just think it'd be a, a, a good 24 hour period to just you know, sleep on the beach, yeah. wake up, trying to figure out what to do. I mean, I, I just think that, you yeah. know, just putting myself in someone uh, someone else's shoes for a day, someone yeah. like that is yeah. very rewarding. I, I told you what my ultimate retirement plan is, right? Just, just wing it. I'm just going to sell grilled cheese on the beach somewhere. 
Yeah, see, I'm going to have a griddle. I'm just going to make grilled cheese. I'm going to sell grilled cheese all day and cervezas or whatever it is in that particular We, we, did, come up, we did come up with a really good idea. And uh, because, you know, how you see the guys on the beach with the little ice cream carts. Yep. We're like, what about somebody that could like go and get takeout from the restaurant <laughs> that's like up? up at the you know two blocks away and yeah. bring it to me on the beach yeah and that's their whole thing they just go around the beach and take orders yeah. and then bring takeout to people on the beach that's called laziness yeah believe it or not people pay for laziness <laughs> but we have that's that we awesome. have deliveroo and uber eats and don't Ooh, we have is that it called, but but uber eats doesn't deliver you deliver to you on the beach does it oh, oh yeah i don't use there's it. some some places that you just drop the pin and they'll show up with the pizza. Ooh, I think Pizza Del Hut does that these days. Deliveroo? Yeah. Pete, did you just say Deliveroo? Yeah. What's it? <laughs> Delivery <laughs> slash kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That is so great. That's so great. <laughs> Deliveroo. If you uh, didn't mean that, you just no, stumbled no. on something. <laughs> because it sounds amazing. Seriously, that's what it's called. I never even thought of it in that way of being for a kangaroo. But anyway, uh -huh. okay. on that oh, note, man. I'm going right. to step out. <laughs> All right, Peter. Thank you so much. Thank you for the, the gifts and everything. Uh, amazing. Yes. Thank You're you for everything you. you do. You're welcome. See you guys. Work Bye. hard today. Oh, yeah. well. Always do. I am really excited about this next friend of the program, GeoSearch. They are new for 2023. Sean, tell us about GeoSearch. GeoSearch is a company specialized in geospatial recruiting and staffing services. You know what? I can't believe it's taken three years, but they are recruiters that have a passion for matching job seekers for job openings in the geospatial industry, specifically including job titles such as GIS analysts, GIS developers, liner specialists, land surveyors, as well as management and sales positions. Yeah, that's really great. They have a network of an industry contacts and a thorough understanding of the geospatial job market really allows them to efficiently connect companies with the talent that they are looking to hire. And we know that it is a competitive Man, is world right now in the geospatial uh, profession. This company offers a variety of services for both job seekers and employers, including job search assistance, resume writing, I might have to call them, and interview preparation for job seekers and employer branding and sourcing for companies. How can folks find out more? Uh, just go to geosearch.com. All right, time to get serious? Yeah, let's get into Since this. Since Pete left, we can get serious now? Yeah. All right, fine. Let's do it. Um, all right, let's talk about EMI first and foremost so we can establish a foundation. And I'm sure. so glad that John was able to join us uh, for the show this evening. Um, so John, I'm going to put you on the spot right out of the gate. Sure. Just if you could provide an overview of engineering ministries international. So kind of what EMI, its mission is and what, what, what the directive is. Yeah. That type of thing. Yep. So EMI was started in 1982. So we just had our 40 year anniversary a year ago. And, uh, it was started when a structural engineer went with his church mission team to an Island in the Pacific. And he thought he was going to do like good news clubs and things. And uh, actually a big storm had come through on that island just a few days before. And uh, they needed help on, you know, deciding is this building safe to even go in? And so being a structural engineer, he looked at it, gave them some advice and uh, was just amazed that he was able to use his kind of engineering design background to help. And so he formulated EMI. 
and started it in 1982, just a few days after he was back. And since that time, we've grown, developed, evolved, and today we're 12 offices around the world, about 230 staff and interns at any one time. Hmm. And we're designing largely and also constructing schools, hospitals, or segments of health centers and hospitals, ministry centers, electrical systems, water systems, and many countries around the world. And uh, our mission is to um, develop people. We don't want to just be doers that check the box. Hmm. Engineers especially are kind of a box checkers, but we, we want to really um, develop people wherever we go. We want to do design and construction for communities in the church around the world. We're a Christian uh, faith-based nonprofit. And so that's been our ministry and our focus is to bring hope and restoration to the world. We have our tagline is designing a world of hope. And we really feel like through our design and the built environment, we can make a huge impact on people's lives for decades. And so we see the work that we do, the tangible work of engineering, architecture, surveying, construction management as just having a massive impact in our world for good and for, for the cause of Christ around the world. So that's who we are. This is such a feel good episode. Really? It really is. <laughs> it's like my heart is swollen right now. I mean, here we are being very selfish about all the things that we do. And then we get these guys on that. I mean, definitely do so much for everyone else. It is a feel good episode. It really is. Really is. I'm super excited. Um, so how long have you been with EMI, John? Um, I've been here since 2012. Um, I was with Samaritan's Purse before that in Niger, West Africa, and have lived in several African uh, countries for about 20 year period uh, and uh, doing water projects mostly. But uh, so, yeah, I've been with EMI for just coming on. Uh, what is it? 11 years, almost 11 years. Oh, wow. 12 years. So um, it. it's been a, it's been a great ride. It's been a lot of fun. It's been amazing. It's been a, it's been a blast. So. so, John, let me ask you this question. At what point did you realize that you can't do anything without surveyors? <laughs> That's a great question. But <laughs> yeah, well, I think we figure that out pretty early as an organization because oftentimes we'll have a group, a team that we, you know, pull together of different disciplines and we show up at a site. Oftentimes it's a greenfield site, you know, nothing's there. Sometimes there's existing buildings, regardless of whether it's buildings, no buildings. You know, we need to know what, where are the boundaries. And oftentimes in these developing countries, um, you know, the records aren't real great. Sometimes they're great, but sometimes they're not. And well, they don't, you know, like, where are your boundaries? Like, where's your corner and where's your mm -hmm. neighbor? And these things are just unknown. And, and they'll say, well, you know, we don't know. We think it's over here. So we work with them to like, that's like job number one is like, what are we talking about for our our area, you know, how many acres or hectares are there, where, you know, what's the topography so we know how to design whatever building we're, we're constructing or community water system, we need to know those things. So it's imperative mm -hmm. that we've got a good map of the site so that the architects and engineers can even begin their work. So it's really task one. And in many of our projects, sometimes we even send the surveyors out ahead of time to do the work. Um, mm -hmm. and then they can do follow-up work when the rest of the team gets there, but it really is 
the first task that's needed. We've got it. Sure. We've got to have the boundaries and the, the borders really clear for, for what we're doing. So, no, you're yeah. just filling up as you go. My job is done here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we I promise we're going to loop Ben and Tim in here in just a second, but real quick, John, if you would talk about kind of the life cycle of a project, how does, how does one begin? Like how do projects get uh, considered? I guess. Sure. So we've got a website. It's uh, emiworld.org, and on there, there's uh, some buttons. If you just follow the the links, you can submit an application. We even have a pre-application that's much shorter, where people that want the services of EMI can go on there, click, talk a little bit about what their project is, and we've got a team that vets projects because you know we'd love to do everything that came to us, but we're not able to do all of it. And uh, then we move from like that initial application or pre-application to a more extensive application to really narrow down the scope, because like any project, there's it, you can easily do scope creep, and so we really try to nail down mm. um, what exactly is needed on the project, and then we can go out. We've got a database of over you know like twelve thousand designers, you know engineers, architects, surveyors, construction managers, and we try to. Once we know the scope, we'll then advertise where we've got a project trip and it can be any country of the world, whatever ministry we're like partnering with or whatever group that we're connected to. And we'll just say, well, we need, you know, structural engineer, architect, surveyor. Uh, we'll need, uh, you know, help with anything specific, maybe a mechanical or, or electrical issue that's a part of the scope. And so we then develop a team and that team, you know, many times comes from all over the world because, you know, we've got offices and and uh, Latin America, North America, Europe, Asia, Africa. And so we'll bring together a team. We want to have at least two locals on every project trip so that they really understand the local situation. They have connections and we begin to find those technical disciplines that are really needed. And then we set a date. For when we're all going to converge on the site because the best design and the best work is done when you really see what's going on in the local context and so we'll bring the team together for an intensive period of seven to 15 days sometimes as much depending on the size and then that project will go back to one of our offices that does the the actual work and in, in developing the project report and design drawings for for that project and so beginning to end, we try to do things, if, especially well, we have different types of projects. So if it's just the design phase, we're hopefully trying to, to get that squared away in, in somewhere in a two to five month time frame. If it involves construction, actual implementation, which we're able to do in a number of our offices, of course, that's another additional seven to nine months, something like that, depending on the size and scope of the project. So. From the time, you know, an organization submits an application to when things are in the ground is usually probably a two year and a half to two year pro, uh, time frame. So, but that's not outside of any normal construction project. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So Ben, I know you've worked on a couple projects, right? Yeah, Maybe actually, I? I'm working on a couple right now, just remote processing. Mm -hmm. um, some survey maps for projects coming up. 
like John mentioned, sometimes the surveyors will go in to the site first so that they can build a map. And there was a guy in California that was uh, planning to build a map and went and flew the project with his uh, Phantom 4 and just sent me the photos. So I've been hmm. processing the map and building that for a trip that's coming up in two weeks. Nice. A trip. What, uh, what do you mean by a trip? Where are you going? So the project team is already assembled, but they haven't gone to the site yet to gotcha. uh, assess the uh, master plan and all of the facilities there. And with we have a lot of information at our disposal now with Google Earth and imagery and and that kind of information, but it's not up to date. And so when I was looking at this site uh, that they're planning to go to in uh, Mexico, Google Earth had imagery that was two or three years old, mm -hmm. but that, and the site didn't have any buildings on it. And now there are like 30 mm -hmm. buildings on the site in oh, just wow. that many years. Wow. So having an accurate, updated, high resolution drone capture mm -hmm. with 3D elevation across the site gives that the project team all of that before they even get on and they can have elevations, they can have mm -hmm. limits of uh, fence lines a lot of times or the boundaries and they know what footprint they're working in. So uh, being able to process that information and give it to the team beforehand is helpful for them for decision making. So Ben, I'm curious, I, like I know in your case, well, in probably all your cases, you know, your faith plays a big part in your life. Um, how did you, like what, what drew you to EMI? How did that happen? Sure. Uh, you're right. I have a long uh, faith story. Uh, my parents were both uh, believers, and when I went to college, I went to the university and got a degree in foreign missions, but uh, also worked as a surveyor with my dad. And so I kind of got the Shinneberry apprenticeship for skills, <laughs> uh, but schooling uh, kind of the heart for the world. And when I graduated, got married, needed a job, I took a job surveying and volunteered in a lot of different ways. So I've supported missions for a long time and helped with all kinds of different uh, trips and, and teams and have been to trips where we haven't done any engineering work. But there is a value add that comes when you can have a professional with experience and understanding of techniques and modern tools and collect the exact information so that engineers can make a decision. And that value add comes when I can survey a site in a one week time period and provide more data than what the landowner would ever be able to come up with themselves. And the, they're probably not going to know the questions to ask. They're not going to know the information that is needed. So the professional experience that I bring adds value to that project team. But yeah. what Sean was saying, you know, in gaining the knowledge, 
that it's a value to the professional. So I've learned something on every trip that I've been on out, uh, you know, working in metric units. Have you ever surveyed in metric? Ken? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. It's a, if it's a different animal, we should I hear it's a lot easier. Yeah, where's Peter? Yeah, 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 she yeah, would yeah. tell us that metric is the way we all yeah. should be surveying, but it's a different animal. Yeah. Uh, scales are different. Uh, you know, the sheet sizes and how you're interacting with it. Um, GPS surveying in another country. Mm. So you know, you you got to be able to set up, understand what you're collecting, and then you know different uh cultural things so you don't want to put them put the people there in country down by doing something different so you're always yeah. focused on uh learning while you're there and the value that you get comes through knowing that you're providing that for them but and i'll let Tim speak to it, just the experience in Zambia. I've never been to Africa before. You know, I have expectations in my mind, yeah. uh, but without being there, you just don't know. So having the first trip to Zambia, knowing customs was very simple to go through. It was the easiest customs that wow. I'd ever been through. So uh, Zambia was great. Uh, Slugsy told me, go and see... Oh, yeah. Uh, Victoria Falls. So we had a day at Victoria Falls, which was beautiful and amazing. Um, and just the experience that you bring back uh, is important and life changing at the same time. Mm. Uh, so I got to tell you, I am jealous beyond belief right now. Why is that? Because like, and I, I think I've had this conversation with Ben before. It's like the one thing that I don't have on my professional resume is working on an international project. Okay. Um, There's some that, out there right now, Ken. Yeah, I, I don't think it's for lack of opportunity. <laughs> so what, you're blaming me for this now? Yeah. Well, I mean... Look, lack of assertiveness? Well, no, let, let's, let's call a spade a spade. These guys are doing incredible stuff. And the first thing you have to say is, you know what? I really want to round out my resume with <laughs> something else. <laughs> you have all the opportunity of the world not only that ben was on on episode 48 so that's like two and a half years you had to connect with them to do something like this you've i uh, know known about emi for quite a while leave, leave yep. it to my good friend producer sean to put everything into perspective and make me feel like a complete loser i'm not saying loser i'm just saying a little selfish at times <laughs> And, and and I think that's what I want to bring these guys back into is like, how do you get out of your own self, like my good friend Kent here, and uh, continue to uh, think about everyone else, and even when in your profession. I guess I'll I'll uh, I'll open that up and I'll bring in Tim here and just to see what he thinks. Like, how, how do you? This combine, is Tim's first trip, so this is going to be interesting. How, how do you combine being a professional and then going out and doing something that is clearly not in your best interest being selfless yes yeah i mean it's really interesting because i definitely was not there even a couple of years ago um i actually what kind of got me on this project was um going on a missions trip it was a medical missions trip um earlier last year 
And just in a few days, we kind of learned how to do, um, how to check people's eyes. So we were doing like an optical clinic that we were running and being able to see, hey, off of training I did in three days, what I can actually do for people and the impact that I can make, that just like, that changed my mind so much with it. It got me thinking like, I'm an engineer, what can I do with my actual skill set um, and what I'm trained in? And so that's what kind of got me to apply for a bunch of projects and stuff um, and ended up going to Zambia on this project. And it's very interesting. I mean, the aerospace industry doesn't really do much as far as fulfillment in what you're doing. Like we do some really cool stuff, but it's not really what you'd call fulfilling work other than look what I did. Like this is coming cool. Um, you're not mm. really making as much of an impact and getting to see that and do it in firsthand is such an amazing process that I would recommend it for literally anybody. And it's not something like, I don't know how to explain it before you experience it because it's not something that I understood until I saw it firsthand. Um, but it will change your life for sure. Uh, I just want to point out that when you said interest, you know, like, this isn't really wait, 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 okay, go, 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 go. Are you start? Are you are you going to be railing on me right now? Uh, not directly. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I I just want to point out that what Tim was just saying was what he was talking about: cool, interesting projects that yes. you both of us would think these are really cool projects. Yeah. And a guy like Tim says, oh, that's not really fulfilling." Okay. We would consider that fulfilling because we're not as good people as, as these guys are. I'm glad. <laughs> all I can say is I'm glad you loop yourself into I mean, my, right, right my in there world. With you. Tim looks at what we do and is like, ah, that's okay. Whatever. Let me go actually do some real good for real people and make an actual difference. But you know what's so interesting? It's a different that, scale. You won't, you won't notice it until you see the other side. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking though. And that's a really good point because I'm like, it puts things into perspective sure yeah big time because i'm like you know here we are struggling to like finish ten thousand dollar surveys under budget and this type thing and here these guys are making a difference in freaking zombie zambia yeah right man oh man so ben you know well, and, i, I, I want to hear quality. more about the, i want to hear more about the project though well, one second though i want to hear i want to hear from ben real quick because you know obviously Brent, ben's in private practice and you know he's dealing with the in and ins and outs of the challenges, daily life, blah, blah, blah. But yet on the side, he's got these really amazing international projects where he's making a massive difference. What is that struggle like, Ben? Uh, that's a good question, actually. Well, it, you know, actually, it comes... like, I don't come up with good questions every show. <laughs> it, it comes because of the years of hard work. So, you know, we all will work in a career to focus on our own, you know, needs. Back when I first started as a surveyor, I'm working my 40 hours because I've got the bills to pay and wife to feed and kids and all of that. So um, working hard to, and God blessing us to bring us to a point that in my career now, I'm at a spot that I have flexibility and I can make the decisions to go on a trip like this. Uh, Tim's situation, being a single guy and having flexibility that 
he can buy a ticket and fly to Zambia. He doesn't have a, you know, wife, kids, the big responsibilities that uh, other people may have. Everybody's in their own situation. And it doesn't have to be that you're flying to somewhere. You can still support even being at my office in Kentucky. I can support yeah. trips and, and projects and use land surveying as a value add to that. Mm. You know, but like you said, Kent, we could be working hard to get out $10,000 Alta surveys that for the value of that work for a ministry in Zambia, $10,000 of value is a lot different. Mm. It's multiplied because they're not going to have $10,000 to pay for a topographic survey to the level of detail that we can bring it to them now as surveyors with modern equipment. So it's not just the direct apples to apples cost, it's the opportunity to provide that. So when you can put those dynamics together, it multiplies. It's not just adding value, it's multiplying value. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna do a shameless plug here. Sure. Add value, make friends. I mean, he said all those words without saying them. Yes, exactly. So, John, I got to, this has got to warm your heart to hear these stories. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Totally. And, and, you know, what's even cooler, and, and I'll just throw this out there is we've, we've started doing this like uh, specialized volunteer program where if people can get like a sabbatical or a furlough from their job for a couple months, we love to hook them up with somebody in the developing world and just do that training, you know, like a surveyor that's got decades worth of, of experience can go to a place like Uganda or South Africa or Senegal and get hooked up with a young person that maybe he's gone through and had a degree, but just because of the lack of resources, they don't really know how to do their job. They're kind of like somewhat trained in surveying but to have somebody come alongside. And we've had programs where we've done this and uh, just, I mean, just helping somebody else is just an amazing thing. Like bringing their technical level up a notch. And then you just think about how many projects are they gonna do in their neck of the woods and their part of the world when you train them and you actually show them, this is how you do it. You know, you might have to do it with some pretty archaic survey equipment and, and leave the drones in a box because they don't have the drones. Or you could go get a few of your friends, raise some money, buy the drone, take it to them, train them how to do it, and then unleash them on their, their continent and their country to make a difference in that whole area of, of uh, land surveying. It's just, you just, you don't, like you like Tim says, you don't really know the impact and that fulfillment that you have until you go over there and you engage in some of these things, whether you're serving and doing the work yourself, or you're coming alongside another person to help them to do it. Both can just be super powerful. Hey, Kent, tell us about one of the OG friends of the program, safety apparel. Oh my gosh. Safety apparel and Matthew Stansbury. They have been with the geoholics from day one. And in addition to that, they have reinvented safety apparel for surveyors with the highest quality materials and most functional and versatile vests. The safety industry has ever seen. Man, they really have. Safety Apparel offers ANSI CSA compliant, high visibility surveying construction vest, and reflective traffic control gloves, hats, stickers, and patches. 
In addition, they will provide you with company logos and other designs on vests, shirts, jackets, etc. And Safety Apparel is also introducing the newest member of the Party Chief family, the Summer Yellow Class 3, with zip-off sleeves for Class 2 and Class 3 compatibility. Check them out at safetyapparel.us and send them an email at info at safetyapparel.us with your needs specifically, and they will do their best to get you headed in the right direction. Uh, so... Uh, <clears throat> Back to my question, I, I really want to learn more about the the Zambia project. Like, uh, maybe maybe Tim, sure, you can, can, or like who? Uh, maybe Ben. Like, what do you think? Before we get to that, because it's part of that same uh, that that same question. How did that team come together? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good start. Tim, how did you find out about the Zambia trip? So. I found out about it through the website. So I was looking as a volunteer um, for different projects. Um, and then I got interviewed by um, the project leads in there who are just looking for basically somebody from each discipline of engineering um, and architecture in order to fill out the team um, and then got selected out of that process. Hmm. So I did the same thing, went to the website uh, they have a filter there that you can choose projects by discipline. So I just clicked on projects uh, page and then went to surveys and then it lays out the whatever projects are coming up for a surveyor. So this one, I was available. It was during the summer. Um, so you can kind of pick time and area of the world. You know, if you speak Spanish and can go to, you know, uh, Central or South America is easy for you to integrate there. If you want something a little more challenging and pick someplace else in the world, um, that really there's opportunity. So then through the application process, the same team leads called me back and said, we see you have applied. We do need a surveyor. Uh, some of the, uh, trips will have, will fill up quick. So. You know, there's been some trips that I've seen survey has been a component, but they've already got a surveyor on that. Hmm. Um, but for that one in Zambia, they, they were producing a master plan, which I could take my small quadcopter drone through customs pretty easy. You know, it fit in my backpack. Uh, I can take my GPS units in actually all of my survey equipment fit in a carry-on size bag. So it wasn't a lot of equipment that we needed. Um, but having the drone to collect the entire map was the first day. So just fly the images, get it processing, have something that the team can use uh, that has actual measurements on it. And then once the team is selected a couple months uh ahead of time, then they send out a packet of information that has each team member, what the scope of work is, what the location is, uh, some logistic information. So, you know, what to bring, what to look for, uh, what you'll need, the final cost, and those kind of things. And then that team is set in place. You buy your tickets and prepare to go. Just like that, buy your tickets, prepare to go. I mean... <laughs> 
That sounds so easy, and I know behind the scenes, John is sitting there like, there's like a million steps that go into all of those things. Like, oh, then you get a nice little email that says, hey, do this and do this. Yeah. How do you put all that? Well, I mean, a million questions, but the big question is, how do you put all that together and organize everything in a way where, like you said, it's six to 18 months to from you know conception to project delivery, like... Talk a little bit about how was the project management process through something like this different than a, a normal project? Yeah, we've got staff members in our offices all around. I think Matthew um, uh, Meckel was your your project leader out of the South yes. Africa office. So yep. Matthew is yes. an American from Minnesota, but he lives in Cape Town, South Africa. He's an architect. He was leading this project in Zambia. So we've trained project leaders. Guy, right? So we've got <laughs> staff members in each of our offices around the world that are trained and they they kind of go and they participate in a project. Then they start to take on some of the responsibilities and duties. And then they've got a, a trained project leader that says, I'm just going to stand here and watch what you do and then help you if you get in trouble. You're going to lead this project. And once they go through that three-stage process their project leaders and so they know what to do like where do i find volunteers how do i make sure that the local group client ministry that we're going to be working with is ready for us i mean sometimes you can get surprised i mean uh, i got surprised one time on a project to india and we got there and the client ministry was like yeah 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 and then they kind of forgot that we were coming and so here we are like 10 people and they're like oh you guys are here and we're like, uh, yeah, did you read the email? And they're like, oh, the house that you guys were going to stay in, we got somebody else in there. And we're like, okay, oh well, we'll go find a hotel. But normally it's not like that. But you do sure. have some surprises from time to time. But it's that project leader that works with all the details to make sure, you know, that repeatedly contacts the client ministry, that they're ready for the people that things are set up so that the team will have food and a place to stay so that they can do their work. And by and large, it's it's a great situation. And uh, we've got really close and amazing relationships with these ministries that we help. And I think they totally see the value of these people coming. And a lot of times we have repeat clients. A lot of the big <laughs> hospitals throughout Africa, they love to have us come back again and again and again. And so, but yeah, there is a lot of logistics to it, but I think when it comes together, it's powerful and it's really amazing, amazing time. And uh, there's what's really no cool doubt is that, we, get, we no like doubt. to get people from multiple um, passport countries to be what? on the team because we feel like when you get people from all over the world, they bring their own experiences and they just do a much better job of getting a design that really fits in that culture. We got to have the local representation, but it's cool to have an Australian or a, a Brit or a Zambian in a project. And we had a, I could tell you stories. I'll just kind of cool it here. But like we had a guy from Nigeria, electrical engineer that just did a project in Mongolia. And wow. he, we got a picture of him on a horse being a Mongolian cowboy. And he just had the time of his life. And, and so we've got all people go into all places and it's just a real rich environment to like meet people from other parts of the world that are also technical work alongside of them we really like to have people with humility that listen and work together 
and it all works. And it, it's just been an amazing experience. It's been exciting. It's been, it's do you been have cool. any opportunities like Sean and I can go and map like the great barrier reef or something like that? Again, you're being <laughs> selfish again. Like you're, you're, you're trying to take <laughs> advantage of pizza. all like, like Tim is sitting here, like, you know, I want to, I want to ask Tim, like, what's your experience been like so far? Like how long you've been, how long have you been there? Yeah. What are your takeaways from your first experience with EMI? That's incredible. It's actually way more seamless than I thought it would be. So I like the leads that we had were incredible and I don't think I had to worry about logistics one time. It was like very well set up. We had to go, um, I mean, really long flight all the way down to South Africa and up to Zambia, and then a nine hour car ride out into the middle of nowhere um, to get to the site. And the whole time they had everything very well planned out, um, meals and everything planned, places to stay, everything. Um, so as far as my experience with it, I had way less worry than I was fearful of, um, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of got to like, actually enjoy it for a lot amount a large amount of it um like ben said we got to see victoria falls and um kind of got our own safari on the way up there just with the travel out in the middle of nowhere so it was a really good tim time. and i we also uh, took pictures of the galaxy have you ever seen yeah. the milky way like no lights so no. out there in african bush just with kent Tim's camera just taking pictures of the wow. galaxy. So it was good with of, your bare uh, eyes. It's just so incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. stuff like that that not everybody gets to experience. No, not at all. You know, it's like that's life altering stuff. Yeah, right. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, so, John, I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you measure success? Oh, that's a good oh, question. That's a great question. Um, you know, because we're we're kind of like a, uh, we're a nonprofit faith-based mission, but we're also kind of like a consulting firm. So one measure of success is are the the clients and the ministries that we're serving are they satisfied? Are they happy? In the same way that you know a surveying group or a consulting firm would want their clients to to get the feedback that their client is happy and successful. Um, the other side of what we look at, and we've been working on it for quite a while, we've got a programs team that's developing metrics, and we've got um, three core values at EMI, and that's design and construction, and then discipleship. And what we mean by discipleship is um, intentionally mentoring both professionally and spiritually the people that are a part of our teams and working with us, whether it's client ministries or people on our staff. And then the third one is diversity. And what we mean by diversity is like ethnic diversity, cultural passport diversity. And so we're developing metrics on each of those three core values. And that's largely what we're determining success on kind of a larger level. But but on a project level, it definitely is, is like, does the client ministry move forward? Are they, you know, and anybody that's in the design world knows sometimes you do a lot of work and then something happens with the organization or government changes or something happens and the project has to be reformed or redone, or maybe it doesn't even happen. And we don't feel bad about that in the sense that if it doesn't, it was a necessary step for that organization to kind of get to a better place. And so 
Um, that's what we're looking at. And we're also, the, the big goal of EMI is this idea of restoration. It's a very faith-based idea, but this idea that we want people and their relationships with one another, their relationships with the environment, um, their relationship with themselves, and then, you know, most specifically for us as a faith-based organization, their relationship with God, we want that to be restored and whole and flourishing. That's a word we love to talk about. It's like we want people around the world to flourish and to have that sense of like wholeness. And there's just so much division and separation and relational issues that people have in all those four domains. And so that's our big high level, like big idea. What are we working towards is that restoration of all people and the restoration of people to God and the restoration through design, through design and construction and the built environment. And so that's really what we're about. So on multiple levels, on the kind of that micro level, is the client pleased organizationally, continentally? You know, are we meeting our core values? And then kind of at the end of the day, the big end game is, is like, is restoration happening? Are people being restored in their relationships mm. with one another and with God? John, I can also was... speak to this, Ken. Uh, yeah, go ahead. One thing, specifically on this Zambia trip, um, we went there to do a master plan, and part of that was they were looking to expand their skills training and training for both men and women in uh, carpentry, welding, you know, job-based skills. Um, but they had opportunity for grant money from the Zambian government, but they needed the buildings designed to specifications that met with the Department of Education's requirement. So that's why they needed an architect. They could just build buildings and try and train people, but they wouldn't have had access to government funding unless it was designed in a way that architects and meeting square footage requirements and bathrooms per students and all the things that we would consider in a uh, actual you know project that we're running for clients to for grant money from the government. So because EMI was able to produce that master plan at the specs that the owner could rely on and take to the Department of Education, then that expanded their uh, reach. And instead of just training 10 to 20 people, they have a plan that expands and grows. And when we started, they had an amount of students that they were targeting growth in. But by the end of the week, that number had grown because now we can fit this many students in this space and we can offer this kind of skills. And now your impact is more than just 10 or 20 people or just that landowner, it's a whole community. And now because they're doing training, they have students come in every year. And so now they're training 50 people per year that impact that area. And so then it grows out from there. So it's the, process and the success is just the project but it's also the future and you're making a and, and like an obvious impact yeah. which is 
unbelievable, you know? No, it really is. Well, I got one more. Do you have something? No, go ahead. I got one more question before I let you guys get out of here because I think this is a really important one. Tim, I'm going to let you go first. How has this experience impacted your life? And like, talk about, you know, how, how rewarding it's been. Um, it's a pretty significant impact. I, um, like I said, just a few years ago, I would not have even considered anything of this type. Um, I was content with any kind of mission stuff being handled by other people. I can support financially, of course, um, as an engineer, but never really thought to do any of that kind of thing on my own. Um, and having experienced it, it's kind of a life-changing thing for me. I don't know what comes next, but I know there's going to be many more trips for me um, with EMI or other organizations in um, this type of thing. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. Oh, my gosh. This guy is so humbling, right? Isn't he? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Ben, talk about, talk about the, how rewarding it's been for you and how it's changed your life. Every trip brings different lessons. Um, the lesson in Zambia was about the team dynamics. Team dynamics was great from the start. Uh, and really with a trip like this, there's a built-in auto connection because we're all working in the consulting industry, right? Engineers, surveyors, uh, planners, they all put together. Now, I can go to any surveyor conference and have an immediate connection because everyone in there talks my language, right? Mm. So this trip was the same way. And uh, team meetings were great. The team dynamics were great. You know, you set up your control room. Everyone's got their laptops out, you know, trying to plug in and not uh, destroy the circuit. Um, but uh, we had really great team dynamics. Since coming back from Zambia, you know, on the plane ride back, I'm scratching out notes of, okay, how can I connect this person with the ministry? Or how can I, I need to meet this person? You know, you have your strategic post-conference um, action items to do. Yeah. So I have my list of things. One of them was to meet John Dahlman, uh, which we hadn't done until tonight, but uh, <laughs> it'll happen again and we'll do it face-to-face -face for sure. So <laughs> having that list of things uh, involves trips and how can I be a part of trips and not even go so I talked with the Mexico office uh, leader and said, just let me know if you have any mapping needs. I can put a map together, even if it's a Google Earth map, and send you, you know, a PDF, and that way you have something to put notes on and, and all of that. So he called back and said, well, actually, I've got a couple trips, and it just kind of snowballs from there. So uh, letting it expand uh, beyond just the one experience was my takeaway. Wow, amazing. So John, I have to imagine that this conversation is impactful for you and uh, I'm gonna let you have the last word here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really excited that Ben and Tim had such a great experience and that we could even, I mean, I'm humbled that, you know, we're able to like 
see change in their lives, but that's, that's why we exist and that's why we're here. And so, yeah, we want to do what we can in a humble way to help people in need and, uh, make a difference to bring flourishing and restoration to the world. That's, that's why we exist. So we're happy, happy to be a part in any way we can. So. Flourishing and restoration to the world. Mm, that's deep. Yeah, it really is. Definitely. All right. Uh, I'm going to have, uh, I can only ask one of you and I got to ask John, uh, one last question. Do you have a mantra that you live by? Yeah, I do. Um, my mantra and I call it my, uh, true North. And I got this when I was 22 years old and the desert of Kenya. Um, I was with a group with a college group crew. Um, and I felt like, and you know, I don't want to be mysterious or anything, but I felt like God told me use your water engineering to point people to Jesus that no one else can do that pastor can't do that. A priest can't do that, but you're going to be in circles and you're going to be places. Just point people to Jesus. Just put the arrow out and lead them that way. And that's my true North. And that's what I've been doing ever since best to my, to my ability. So that's my mantra. Wow. That's amazing. But else, Sean, you got anything else? That was a freaking amazing 200th episode. That's all I got to say. Uh, I mean, as usual, we get done with these episodes. I start it in one You're like, place. like, I am not worthy. And then we finish the episode, and I am wholly inept in, in every way possible. I'm humbled by the our guest and all the amazing things that they do. Uh, I, I honestly can't say anything else. We're just, we are so lucky to be able to talk to folks like this. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it just goes without saying. Like, these guys do amazing things, and uh, we should talk about it more. Absolutely. Well, hey, Tim. Ben, John, thank you so much for being here. We cannot express enough gratitude for you to be able to take the time to join yeah, us. Absolutely. Thank yeah, you. Thanks guys. for having That's us great. on. Thank you. Yeah. All right. It goes without saying, adding value, making friends. It's what we do. Once again, uh, if anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, or if you have any guest suggestions, shoot us an email at info at the geoholics.com. That's right. Switchfoot, meant to live. Love the song. Available everywhere. Until And very fitting for this episode, by the way. Oh, okay. Until next time, everyone, find your true north. Mm. And most importantly, be safe and healthy.